Welcome back, everyone, to a new episode of the Define University podcast. I am so excited to not only kick off this episode, but kick off a new series to the podcast, which is going to be all about sharing your story. So I'm really excited to bring on guest speakers onto the podcast and really allowing other educators to share their story because, as we know, our story is where our superpower comes from. Our story is how we connect. Our story is how we really anchor ourselves into being the educator that we are. And so I thought, what better way, I've shared my story, and I thought, what better way is to bring on educators that um, I, I think have a, an amazing story to tell, and I want to get those stories out to anyone and everyone ready that's ready to listen. So without further ado, our first guest for this series is Shannon Fisher, and I am so excited to bring Shannon on. She is the person I go to when I need anything to do with inclusive, inclusive education, inclusive environments for children. Um, her expertise in self-regulation, reducing power struggles, and just creating an environment that really centers on relationships for even the youngest kiddos. So she works with preschoolers. And so really, it's, it's, there's no age that this can't start with. So we're going to start them early. We're going to start them young. And I'm so excited for you to hear her story. So with that, welcome, Shannon. So excited you are here. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. You are so welcome. So what I, what I thought we'd kick off with is just you telling Telling the world who you are, who is Shannon, um, kind of what you believe in, and just, you know, anything of your story that you really want to share. Sure. Yeah. So, um, well, you know, first and foremost, I'm a wife and a mom. I have three little boys, four, two, and seven months old. And um, I've been teaching for 18 years. My bachelor's is in early childhood education from the University of Dayton. And my master's is in special education with a focus on um, early childhood special education um, from the University of Toledo. So I'm from Ohio, and in the state of Ohio, I'm licensed to teach preschool through third grade, gen ed, and special ed. Um, I actually was a general educator before I went into special education. Um, I like to tell people all the time, my first job, I taught second grade in Las Vegas um, because there weren't a lot of jobs. I graduated, right, the year I graduated was the year 9-11 happened, and they were changing teachers' retirements, and so there weren't a bunch of openings. And it was the first year that the state um, switched the licensing from elementary to make it more specialized. So of course, everyone wanted, everybody wanted K-3. Um, and I just think it's funny because I always feel like the things that you're meant to do come back around and keep coming to you. Um, so when I got out of school, I was actually offered by my elementary principal um, a job doing what I do now. So what I do now is I am, it's called different things depending where you are. Some people call it early childhood special education. Some people call it integrated. Some people call it inclusive. But basically, um, I have um, anywhere from 12 to 16 kids in a session. And um, either half or two-thirds of those kids are on an IEP for a delay or disability. And then the others are same age, typically developing peers. So I got offered this job when I was 21. And I'm like, oh, Mr. List, thanks so much. But no, I just want to teach second grade. Like, I don't want to do preschool. I don't want to be an inter Like, I love the, those kids, but I don't want to be the person to write the IEPs. Like, no thanks. And so my aunt lived in Vegas at the time. And 
um, actually worked for the school district and said, you know, they hire all these people. Why don't you come out? You can sleep on my couch. And I thought, I don't want to be 40 and regret it. So I went, which is funny because I'm going to be 40 in a couple months. And I still, I don't regret that I did, but it was such a good experience. It was just too far away. And um, so I moved back to Ohio, not to my hometown, but a different area and uh, worked in a charter school for two years doing K-1 and preschool and then got my master's and I had a student teach again. And so I had a student teach in preschool and then K-3 and it, I just fell in love with it. And I've done it for the last 14 years. I can't imagine doing anything else. So I absolutely love that. And I love the analogy you made because I, I, I agree. So I've had a lot of experiences um, in, in different, you know, dabbling into different field, different parts of education. And I do, I think there's like one thing that you keep coming back to. And I think, you know, as you were with pre-K, I was kind of the opposite. So I, 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 I kind of started out knowing I wanted to teach littles, the, the younger, you know, grade. And I absolutely love middle and high school now. Like, but back then, if you told me, like, you've got to go work or teach or coach, you know, middle school and high school, I was like, anything but, no thanks, I can't right? And now, you know, as my, I still, my heart's with the elementary, I love it. But I just love, I love being able to really have in-depth conversations with some of the older kids and really start helping them, like, kind of map out their life and where are they going and but it's just really cool because I didn't, I didn't know that, you know, 12 years ago when I started, I didn't know right. any of that. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And I just think, I think that's, what's really cool of education is you can know you want to get into education and be an educator, but you get to define that you, you know, your experiences really help, you know, lift you up or, or create who you are, which is just really cool. So yeah. That is awesome. So you mentioned, so 18 years in the classroom, you've got three boys under four. I do. <laughs> I do. Do you find a lot of overlap between like what you're doing at work and at home? Yeah. Do you have to yeah, I, talk about that for a little bit? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, it is hard, um, especially when your kids are the same age. So um, I didn't feel like it was as hard or I struggled with it that much until um, my son, my oldest son, Luke, started to be like three and four. And then he would have those very typical three and four year old behaviors. And I'm like, oh my gosh, but mommy's drained. Like I just help kids work through this. So um, I've actually gotten so many strategies from you that have helped me out with that. And so I feel like I am now able to have like a work-life blend. And so I just kind of block out my times. And especially now with distance learning, um, my husband's also a teacher. He's actually a middle school teacher. He teaches phys ed and health. And so we, um, with our boys, have blocked out our schedule. So someone's always with them. Hopefully they don't crash too many video chats. And... Um, so we've done that, but, uh, yeah, it helps to block out that time. And then that way I'm able to really be present at school with my kiddos. And then when I'm home, I'm able to be present with my boys. And I know that I'm just, I'm giving a hundred percent where I am. Um, and then I don't have to worry about like, Oh God, I don't feel that guilt. I don't feel that teacher guilt. Like I didn't, I should have done this differently or this more, or as a mom, like I should have done this. Um, it's definitely less than that. But I do feel like, you know, we try to use the same strategies at home that I use with my kids at school. It, I will say it doesn't always work as great at home because I'm mom and I'm not Mrs. Fisher. 
Um, so that part uh, is interesting. Like, I'm like, hey, look at this fun thing to do. And my kids could do it at school in a second. And my boys look at me like, I don't know what, I want to go play with my Legos. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. So, um, but it has helped in the sense that I also feel, I've, I've always felt um, like something I, that's important to me is having really good relationships, not only with our kids, but with their families, because we all are on the same team. And if parents for a second feel like they're not on the same team, I just think it doesn't serve the child, it doesn't serve anybody. And so I really, even before I was a parent, but especially now, look at it and feel that parents are just doing the best they can with the tools that they have. It's not my place to say what they should or shouldn't be doing. I mean, I'm not a perfect parent, certainly. And so we're all just doing the best that we can. Um, but so from having kids the same age, I had some parents ask for some tips and so of uh, things to do at home. And so it's kind of turned into this thing where like I make a video and I send a daily tip to my parents about play or social skills or whatever questions they have. And then um, one of the parents said, you should share this on your Instagram because other people might want to know. So I've kind of started sharing them here and there on my profile. And um, so, yeah, I think it helps to understand, though, what parents are going through. Absolutely. Sure. And, I, and I totally agree with you. I think that whole that team component is huge. And I think, you know, I know, you know, I've heard from educators, you know, it's, you know, when there's disagreement or maybe not, but I think before, before you can even get to a disagreement, you've got to look at what are you agreeing with? Like where, where's the common ground and the common ground is the student, right? Like you're mm -hmm. all coming together for that student. And I think it's so, it's so essential to, to yeah. really look at who are the team players and really involving parents in that. And I love, I love that that's a forefront. Like that's like, that's, it's not a secondary thought for you. It sounds like that's, you know, that's you're actively engaging in those relationships. And I think, you know, again, any age, I think relationships are huge between student and parents. But I think especially if you're working with a three-year-old that isn't going to be able to say, yes, this works for me or this doesn't, you know, the parent has, it is that advocate. The parent is that person yeah. to, to really be there. And I'm totally with you on the separating mom and, and teacher role or educator role. My daughter's in kindergarten and there's some things where I'm just like, I, I, I can't, <laughs> I'm putting my hands up. We'll, we'll ask your teacher and we'll, you know, email her teacher together because it's just easier. It's, it's that easier place to be and we always keep it simple here. So, you know, that works here. Yeah. So that is awesome. Um, so one thing that I love when I hear about, you know, from educators sharing stories, things like that, is I think everyone has, you know, that, that thing or that person that kind of led them down this path to education, to either being a teacher or just education in general. Do you have that thing or a person that kind of inspired you to do what you do? I, I do, but it's probably the opposite of what a lot of people say. So a lot of people will say like they had such an inspirational teacher that made them want to do it. And I definitely had those. Um, but I had a couple experiences just with myself and other people that I know, um, that I knew growing up that didn't have great teachers that didn't have a good experience. Sometimes those experiences led to anxiety or just different things about school. And so I just remember being, and I've always been like my, <laughs> my parents, when I was a kid were like, Shan, you need, you need to be a lawyer because I would like argue my point. But I've always been that person, and I think my team at school would say this too, I don't argue a point, but I definitely um, stand up for what I believe in, 
Um, and so as, even as a child, I felt that way. And I just remember thinking, I want to make sure that no other child has to go through this if they don't have to. Like, if I have anything to do with it, I am going to make sure that kids have a positive relationship, that they have someone who believes in them, that they have someone who believes that a, a child, a person really, potential shouldn't have a limit placed on it. You know, like those are the tenants I stand in my room that, you know, like you were saying, parents are the experts on their child. Like I might be an expert on curriculum, developmentally appropriate practice, intervention strategies, but I will never pretend to be an expert on somebody's child because I'm just not, you know? So um, I just remember feeling very strongly, like my third grade teacher and now as an adult, I'm like, she probably was going through something. But like, we all went home and cried the first day of school. She was just mean. She made people stand in the court. Like, it was awful. And um, yeah, I mean, my mom actually made sure my brothers didn't have her, like wrote a note to the school. So um, mine's probably the opposite. But um, yeah, I just thought, no, if I have anything to do with it, I'm going to make sure. Yeah. So. I, I love that though. I think, you know, I think everybody has that, that why. And I think, you know, knowing you and I know you a little bit beyond, you know, this yeah. podcast and, and your mission, which I would love for you to share with other people sure, yeah. is, is, is that, is that, that word all right. Education for all is so near and dear to your heart. And so I love that story because that is, that is absolutely crucial. If we are starting to, you know, categorize, you know, this kid and that kid and, you know, I could go on a whole soapbox about labels and how I, I hate them. I, I don't, you know, or I strongly dislike them. Um, you know, I'm just not a fan because I think as soon as you put that label, as soon as you, you categorize it with that word, you've lost sight of who the student is, of who the child is. And, and even student, you know, they're, they're still a person outside of school. So, you know, I think it's so, I was reading this morning about, you know, how to really forming relationships and that that really is one of like the big buzzwords right now in education. And I love that because it, it needs to be, but it's really making sure we take it that step forward. And, and how do we establish that relationship? What are the steps that we take to establish that relationship? And I think for me, it's, it's realizing that the kid is their student is a person outside of the classroom. They have a whole life that they live, even as a three-year-old, even as a, you know, four-year-old, five-year-old, there's still parts to them that a teacher may not see all of. And I think you're absolutely right. That's where the parent comes in, knowing those pieces. And then as students get older, as kids get older, asking them those questions. What's, you know, what, what, what are your goals? What do you dream of? What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Um, and, not, and not limiting them by, by, by putting any label on. Um, you also mentioned one thing I wanted to ask is, you know, you mentioned this, you know, getting parents on board, really getting with them. Is there anything you do specifically, or you found a great, you know, better success with that you ask parents or do to really get parents on board? Yeah. I, so we've always, um, my team, we've always kind of sent out parent surveys ahead of time to get their knowledge about their kids. Um, but I started this probably two years ago now when I was thinking about my oldest son being around the same age of the kids that I teach. So we do orientation and we do all of those things where we meet parents. Um, but I really wanted to have a conversation with every parent about their child. And so as much as I can, I mean, I don't always get a hold of everybody because we're playing phone tag or whatever, but I have a list of questions that to me, if my son 
he's going to preschool next year, but I would want to know. I would want to know that the teacher knows this. And so um, I ask them things like, what's your child's favorite snack? Because I want, I want everyone to get to have their favorite snack because I think there's just such a comfort in that. And especially for some kids when, you know, especially if it's new, they've never been to school. Um, so I ask them things like that. What do you want from them? Like our intake form has things like, what do they get upset about? What do they like when there's, when there's bedtime? And those are all good things to know. But I just like mom to mom or mom to dad want to have a conversation like, what, what are your dreams for your kids? What do you want them to do? What do you hope that they accomplish this year? And so I think that definitely helps um, lay that foundation. And then just that open communication. Um, I've had things in the past, like a private Instagram page for um, my families. This year I did class tag. Um, so just different ways of communicating with them and knowing that the door's always open. They can call or email or visit anytime. Just let me know. And yeah. Yeah. I think that's huge. And I love, I love those examples of questions because I think one of the things that can very quickly kind of become a roadblock is when we have different definitions of what success looks like. So, and I even, you know, as a behavior specialist going into work with a team, I have to make sure my definition of what we're looking for matches what, you know, what they're looking for, because I'm not there all day, every day. And I think that's huge, because if you're coming, you know, if I have a definition that's, you know, in left field, and you have one in right field, we're never going to meet, you know, we're never going to see eye to eye. And I think that's huge. So really, really getting that perspective of what is, what does success for you look like through your child? What, it, what do you envision for me as the teacher and how do we work together the best way possible to make that happen? I love that. Um, so, all right, so you talked about you're on Instagram a little bit. I would love for you to share a little bit more about your, uh, your mission as, as an educator, yeah. kind of what, you, what you share about, because I love it and I want other people <laughs> to, to uh, take it all in as well. Yeah, so I actually started my um, Instagram maybe two years ago now, it was at that point where, and I don't think it's um, through any fault of anybody anywhere, but I feel like preschool is missed a lot in conversations about education. And, you know, you see like these teacher conferences are like K-12, they don't include preschool. And um, people share all these things they do, but where's preschool? And so I just, like I said, I kind of, when I have those convictions, I just made it a mission and I said, I'm going to start this and I don't know what's going to happen from it, but I just want to share that preschool is important. It's so important. It's the foundation of everything and it's setting the stage. And not only that, but kids do well, especially when kids who do well in preschool, a lot of times people will say, oh, it's just preschool. It's just play or, oh, there weren't as many kids, or, oh, there's more adults. And yes, all of that's true. Different environments look differently for different kids. But if kids are doing well in one setting, and then maybe they don't do well in another setting, it isn't necessarily always just because they went to a new grade level. And so I think um, part of my push, too, is just that developmentally appropriate things and activities and practices are so important. And I don't know, because we get so lost and all the shuffle with testing and accountability and everything else, 
I just don't know that there is that much of a focus on it. Mm -hmm. um, and even like parents will come and they're like, what colors do they know? What shapes do they know? What numbers? And I have to say like, yes, we work on all of that. But if someone takes your kid's ball on the playground and they can't get it back, or they can't attend to the teacher talking when they get to kindergarten. I mean, let's be real. Who, it, the number of letters they know is not, that's a strength, but it's not gonna help them in that situation. So that's kind of why I started that, to talk about, um, you know, I, I really think that when you have an inclusive environment that's developmentally appropriate, you know, I, I try, and I've talked about this on my Instagram, but. I don't look at it as classroom management because I feel like that word management automatically makes it like different levels and a power struggle. And I'm all about not having a power struggle. Um, not that that means that I'm not in charge in my classroom because I very much am the leader in my classroom. I have a very structured classroom, but I look at it more through a classroom facilitation lens. I just look at myself as the facilitator and what can I do to help this child in this moment as opposed to like, you know, I'm the person in charge, it's a dictatorship and you're going to do this. So I just think that there are things that a lot of preschool teachers are doing all the things that I'm doing. I know because I've worked with them in multiple places. They are amazing, but I don't think a lot of people talk about that. And so I just think that maybe if we can bring a little bit of preschool to other places, it will help those kids as they move on. So that's kind of what I do. I love it. I talk is, about. is your, is your uh, preschool like classroom, are you guys housed in your local school district? Are you? We are. You are? Right. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm in a K-4 elementary building and okay. I have to say my district is phenomenal. It's amazing. Um, everyone from the top down, our, our um, superintendent, our assistant super, our director of student services, my principal, our supervisor, they are all so supportive of preschool. Um, which, and like I said, I've been other places and that's not always the case, but they are, if we have a concern, they listen, you know, obviously things can't always happen. We don't have, you know, we can't just like make a wish and it appears, but they listen and they respect us. And it's so valuable. They really are. It really is the best place, place to be. I love where I'm at. Yeah. That is awesome. And you're, that's so right. I mean, what's, you know, if you, if you're literally down the hall from kindergarten where, you know, you know, Sam is going next year, it only makes sense that there's this continuum of mm -hmm. here's what we do in pre-K and let's make it work, you know, into that model of, of K. And you brought up a good point that, you know, we often do think of school as K-12. And even in my head, I started thinking, yeah, and, you know, but even in my role, we service, you know, uh, not even teens, I guess, young adults up to 21, right? right. So it's not even, it's, it's again, switch, switching that language of K-12 to really early intervention to, through 21, early intervention through, I don't know, but it's, it's a, such a cool concept that when we think just K-12, are we limiting? Are we forgetting about right. both ends of the, you know, the spectrum, so to speak, of, of really providing for all students, which goes back exactly to, you know, yeah. what your mission is, inclusion, inclusive environment for what, what that means, what that looks like for each kid in that, in that all piece that you're absolutely right. It's not, things don't just magically change from, you know, four to five years old or from this grade to that grade. Because yeah. I've seen it the opposite way too. I've seen it 
you know, they'll have a really tough third grade year because maybe the classroom structure isn't great or, you know, the teachers doesn't have a relationship and they go to fourth grade where there is a relationship. It's all about community. And then you hear from the third grade teacher, well, they must have matured over the summer, you know, and it's, well, this must have happened to the student. And it's like, or they're in an environment that suits their needs. Right. So, right. I, think that's, I think that's huge. Yeah, I actually had a professor in grad school tell me, and it's, I've always, it's always stuck with me. She said, you know, Shannon, special education practices are just really good teaching. Like you're just differentiating anyway. And so I think just because something's used as a strategy in preschool doesn't mean that it can't carry K-12. My husband's a middle school teacher. He actually does some of the same things that I do, and it works for his middle schoolers. So, um, so I love that when you have good, solid practices, it can carry all the way. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. And I, I know I teach on that all the time because I get, you know, I get some pushback. You know, if I, people know I taught kindergarten, they know I taught first and second grade and I will go and talk to high school and they're like, well, that strategy won't work. I'm like, well, of course not, not in the way that I would present it to a kindergartner, but the right. strategy is the same. It's, or, you know, the strategy is the same, how it looks differs. And I think that's just it. It's not that there's, you know, thousands of strategies out there that we have to make everything different. Like let's do it the simple and easy way and let's pick one thing and just adapt it. And you're absolutely right. That's what special ed is all about, right? Like giving students what they need. You know, I, I if you, again, going on labels, I don't, I like, I don't even love the word special ed. I love, you know, it's specialized. That's what we're doing. We're specializing yeah. education. And to me, we do that in gen ed just as much as we do that in special ed, you know, special ed. So how about we just call it education and meeting all students' needs, right? But that's a political soapbox that we probably won't tackle on this stage. But <laughs> I agree, though. I agree. Like, when people are like, what do you do? And I have to explain, well, I'm both. I do right? both roles. They're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, goodness, I'm just a preschool teacher. Like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> right. Well, and but again, you're not, it's not like you have, I mean, you've got one brain, so I, I can pretty much guarantee it's not like you sit there, okay, you're, you're this kid, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, no, it's just, I'm Mrs. Fisher, I'm your teacher, here we go. Yep. You know, and I'm yep. going to teach the kid that's in front of me, and that's, you know, and that's what I love, because to me, that's where, you know, that's how we form relationships, that's how we take that first step. It's not by getting bogged down by all the labels and the what-ifs and the, you know, stories you've heard from before, or the fear that this person had, it's who is the kid in front of me and how can I connect with them? And when I can connect with them, we build that relationship and we get the momentum moving forward. And I think we can get so bogged down in, in everything that we don't really know where to start. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Um, so one, the thing I want to kind of wrap up with is any, you know, positive moment to share, maybe a highlight or anything that, you know, you just love, you know, when you do this, this is what like, you know, it's, it's just brings celebration or gratitude, just something positive to share with, with the listeners. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing for me is every time I connect with a kid and not just connecting, um, like the first time, you know, but for me, just that ongoing connection and conversation. I think so many times because we talk about connection and relationships, and it's the same with students, parents too, and staff and anything, people try to force it. Like they're like, oh my gosh, I have to connect with this kid right away before the school year starts. Well, all kids are different. My three boys are different. My oldest son is like 
I joke, he would climb back in the womb if he could. Like he's four, but he's always snuggling on me. He's always on me. My middle child, like Brody's like, I'm lucky if I get a kiss tonight. That's just who he is. And so I think, you know, we try to make um, like systems of connection, but they don't work. Like you can't do a one size fits all. So for me, I just try to just spend time with the kid and get to know them. And so I think every time I, I um, connect with them, it's a celebration because I'm getting to know them more and then I can serve them more. I really try to come from a service mentality. And so um, I, I have some kiddos. I'm actually going through my um, trauma certification right now. And so I have some kiddos that have had some backgrounds of things. And if I'm being honest, I can think of kids the whole 18 years I've taught that I probably didn't know at the time, you know, what it was. Um, but so in the past, when I've had those kids that have gone through such um, horrible things, and, you know, we hear trauma, we think of the main, like, abuse and neglect, and it's not. Trauma can be lots of different things. But um, when I have a kiddo who's been through things and then they connect and they open up to me, that is like such a celebration. Um, and a lot of times I'll try to put it on me. I'll say, you know, Mrs. Fisher feels really upset when this happens and what, and what should I do? And if they're then able to say, oh, well, you should take rainbow breasts and then you should go to the relaxation station. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, it's ha like they're getting it. They're developing those self-regulation skills. So for me, it's really those small victories whenever I see those, those things with my kiddos. Yes. I love that so much. And you, what you said about relationships totally resonated with me. So one of the things I love to remind people is just like you said, it, relationships aren't, they're not check boxes, right? On our to-do list. They're not something to do today but I do think they are something to work at every day. And I think there's that distinction because you're absolutely right. You might, again, I can only do, I can only control what I bring to the equation. I can only control 50% of a two person interaction. So I might show up, I might, you know, share my story. I might do all the things and still not get that, you know, that connection, that crack that day. But it doesn't mean I don't come back the next day and try again. But I think, you know, people either have, sometimes we get in this mentality of like, like you said, I have to connect and I have to connect today. So they try really, really hard and it doesn't work. So then we back off and I'm like, no, celebrate the, the effort, right? It's effort over end product. You're going to be putting in a lot of effort that, you know, before you might get that, that end product or whatever that connection looks like. But if it doesn't happen today, it doesn't mean it's not going to happen tomorrow. And I think in teaching, it might not happen for 10 years. You know, that student, it might take that student coming back to, to really thank us. I think my, you know, my second grade teacher is the reason I'm in education. That And, and one of my coaches growing up, my swim coach. And I, I don't think I told them in the moment. You know, I, I'm pretty confident I didn't right. say thanks for being the reason I'm, I'm here today. And yet, you know, I have the ability to go back now, 10, 15, 20 years later, to really thank them and do that. And I think that's just, that's that huge piece is to keep showing up even when we may not be getting that, you know, that it's, that it's quote unquote working right away for us. Yeah. I mean, we don't know what kids are coming with. We don't know what happened before school. We don't know. I mean, there are kids who have anxiety, who have different things and nobody knows why it doesn't necessarily have to be a traumatic thing. We just don't know what kids are going through. And so I just want every kid who comes through my door to feel like they're in a safe place. And that I am going to give them 100% every day. And Mrs. Fisher is going to try again tomorrow. And if you have a rough day and you throw a chair at me, 
okay, you had a rough day. We're going to try again tomorrow and I'm going to love you through it. And so, um, you know, we don't need to necessarily be trauma detectives. We just have to give kids grace and understanding and love. And, and I think, you know, you get, it just, um, there's that quote, like kids don't learn from a teacher that they don't like. And I think that's so true. And it's the same for parents. Parents aren't going to be supportive of you if they feel like you don't have their child's back. So that's what I try to do every day. I love it. I love it so much. Such great examples of really getting, you know, it's, it's that compassion and concern over being frustrated and, you know, what's, what maybe isn't appropriate, right? When we look at it through a lens of concern, I'm here to help you. I'm here to understand. I'm here to tell me more, teach me more. And they might not be able to verbally tell us. They might still be telling us through behavior, through the stares, through the moans, the groans, but we're going to keep showing up because that's what we do as educators. And I, I thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Um, If people are looking to find you, connect with you, where can they do that? Yeah, I'm on Instagram and Facebook at play teach inspire. And I think that's what it is on Twitter too. play teach inspire on Twitter. So yeah. And then uh, my blog, which doesn't have a lot on it because I have three boys, but it's play teach inspire.com. So Absolutely. Thank love you it. so much for having me. You are me. so welcome. Thank you so much. And, and to the listeners, stay tuned for future episodes of additional educators sharing their story. If you have an idea for an educator that you would love to have come on, I would love for you to drop that in the comments. Send me an email. You guys know where to find me. Um, and until next time, you guys, we will talk soon and enjoy. There we have it, Define University listeners. That was another amazing episode. I am so grateful for the educators coming on this podcast, sharing their story, just getting us pumped for the week ahead. So I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. If you did, would you do me a favor? Would you go and subscribe, leave a review, and any positive feedback you may have for anyone maybe wondering what the podcast is all about? I would so love you for that. And if you have have an idea of an educator you would love on the Share Your Story, series. I would love for you to head to my website, defineuniversity.com, head to the podcast section and let me know there. You can also add any topics you might have for future episodes, as well as just any ideas you might want to share with me. So go check that out. And if we have not connected yet on social media, what are you waiting for? Come say hi. I'm over on Facebook. Just search Lindsay Titus or come join the Define You Facebook group. Better yet, find me on Instagram. That's where I am most of the time. Lindsay.titus. Titus828. I love connecting with followers there. You guys, come find me. Let's connect and you go have an amazing week ahead. Thank you for all that you do, all that you are. And you guys just keep living and loving and trusting in who you are. And that's the beauty of the life we get to create every single day. That is the motto at Define You after all. So with that, everyone, enjoy. And as always, we will talk soon.